Somebody wrote, uh, love your podcast. Jessica, you are awesome. I think we have to update our uh, webpage. Working on it. It's Jessica. Exactly. She, yeah. <laughs> she was the hostess before dawn. Huh. Which was approximately two years ago now? Yeah, I think two years ago, yeah. Of course, no diss on Jessica. She did a great job. No, she's great. But every so often, but I, it's kind of out of date. Yeah, I, every so often, well, I mean, someone's to be on. That means someone's listening to our back episodes at least. Oh, that's probably why they did that. Yeah, they're listening to the back episodes and listening and hear Jessica. I'm sure they do. So it's probably just a delayed thank you, or a, it's a delayed admiration. <laughs> You're in. Are you recording? <laughs> yes, I am, actually. <laughs> you're doing the countdown today, so. Well, you're busy on your phone, and Scott's chonking on food, so. Well, I was just I'll, looking to see if anybody, now. If anybody wrote ready. anything that we need to uh, address. And other than some people just saying, hey, we, we do a good podcast, thank you very much to all those. So are we ready? We're ready. We're ready. Five, four, three, two, one. Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rupert, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Oh, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yeah, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from the phone booth on the corner of Pecos Road and Sunset, this is the award winning stamp show here today, episode number 163. I'm Cash. Me. I had a job where I dressed as the Statue of Liberty and twirled a sign that said, Have H&R Block do your taxes. After work, dressed like the statue, I went to a stamp shop across the street. The owner said, I have stamps with the Statue of Liberty on them. I told him that I collect the three-cent Washington and perforated issue of 1851. He looked confused. Now he owns a cigar shop in Morocco. I'm Scott. If at first you don't succeed, well then skydiving may not be for you. This is Mark, which in ancient flatly means he who is unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. This is Tom. So a man walks into a bar, orders a glass of water, 
bartender promptly pulls out a shotgun, fires a shot at him, just missing his head. The man says, thank you, leaves the bartender a tip, and leaves. Why? Stunned silence. Nobody knows why? The man had the hiccups. Uh. Shotgun scared him away. Wow. Nobody? Mm. Wow. Damn. (laughs) You know you're getting crickets on that one. That's fine. (laughs) I found it funny. (laughs) I'm also apparently your temporary stamp mistress for the day. Hello. (laughs) And I like to leave messages before the beep because when you dial a wrong number, you never get a busy signal. That one wasn't mine. I'll take credit for my bad one. The telephone is a good way to talk to people without having to offer them a drink. This is why when a man phones a woman and talks dirty, it's sexual harassment. But when a woman talks dirty to a man, it's three ninety-five a minute. All major credit cards are accepted. Wow. Talk to the script. <laughs> <laughs> why are we talking about this? Scott certainly wants to know. Because on this day in history, in 1876, Alexander Graham Bell was granted a patent for an invention he calls the air quotes telephone. So pick up your handset, dial us, dial us up for a list of all the ways Stamp Show here today has failed to improve the quality of your life, and please press 7. I noticed you didn't say Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone. Nope. No, that's correct. That is, that is absolutely correct. Because according to Joey Zaza from Godfather Part 3, he tells Don Corleone that Meucci invented the telephone one year before Bell. Uh. I didn't know that the uh, Godfather today was going to get a hit on this uh, podcast. Well, now you know. <laughs> and not only that, but in Godfather Part 2, Batista was presented with a solid gold telephone. Who is Batista? Rem- remind me. He's not the guy who found from, the horse in his head. No, from, from, uh, Cu- uh, from Cuba. Found the horse in his head? For, found the horse <laughs> in his bed. <laughs> yeah, the leader in Cuba before he was uh, Oh, ousted. Batista, Batista. The real life Batista. Yes. Ah, got it. From the fake movie. Well, from our stamp collecting standpoint, the famous Mr. Bell has been on several stamps, but we are going to center in on the famous American set of 1940. 1940? That's like a long time ago. Well, in 1938, even longer, the post office department announced plans for a series of stamps recognizing 10 famous Americans. They invited the public to submit recommendations. The response was so great that it was decided to increase the number from 10 to 35. Guess they didn't, post office didn't realize there were that many famous people in America. (laughs) Well, I guess not. Seven categories were decided upon. Authors, poets, educators, scientists, composers, artists, and inventors. Each category of five has the same set of denominations, one, two, three, five, and ten cent each. Each rate had a valid use. The one, stamp, the one cent stamp paid for a letter that was dropped off at a post office to someone who had a box at the same office. 
why not just stand there and wait for him to show up and hand it to him for free? Did they actually have drop letters in 1940? Uh, apparently. Yeah, okay. The two cent was for local delivery. The three cent paid the normal non-local mail rate. And the five and ten cent were used in combination for heavier letters and special rates. Well, um, that's sort of a catch-all. Because the one cent and the two cent, don't they make up differential rates also? Yeah, the three cent. Or, or the three cent, yeah. <laughs> they all make up differential. Right. I, I, but having a specific rate. But there wasn't a specific five cent or ten cent rate. Hold on. Uh, wasn't the overseas ship mail rate five You're right. Cents? Five cent was overseas. Ten cent, I guess. Ten cent was a... Ten cent wasn't even double rate because it was eight cents for two ounces. No, but they needed something to pay a heavier parcel rate. Yeah, but it says... It state Tom just lied to us. <laughs> Tom read what Cash wrote on the script. <laughs> each one was for a valid rate. <laughs> so the ten cent was not specifically for a rate, unless it was a double weight overseas rate. However, I have seen. I think the ten cent rate is a valid rate for first day covers because I see a lot of first day covers with that ten cent stamp on. Oh. That's a joke. There was no such thing as an overpayment, was there? <laughs> yeah. No, because the post office took all your money. That's it. Well, each category had its subjects arranged with the oldest birth date going on the one cent stamp down to the most recent birth date on the 10 cent stamp. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I read that and I go, whoa. I was wondering how uh, interesting. Well, if it's on the internet, it must be true. So There yeah. you go. Each category had its own dedicated symbol on the stamps, a scroll, a quill pen, an inkwell for the authors, a winged horse for the poets. Because flying horses are about poets? Pegasi? Uh, uh, apparently. Yeah, okay. Pegasus and unicorn. You know, dragons. The, quote, lamp of knowledge for the educators. Laurel leaves and the pipes of the Roman god Pan for the composers. And our Mr. Bell stamp, being in the inventor issue, has a cogwheel with uplifted wings and a lightning flash to symbolize electricity and power and a tube sock symbolizing the pinnacle of man's achievements. I'm going to ask you something. So, so you're saying that Alexander Graham Bell was co-inventor of the tube sock then? Yep. Uh, it, it, does, it does point that way. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, why is it if there are seven stamps on the series that are 10 cents, why is the Bell stamp worth more than the other 10 cent stamps? Excellent question. We have no answer. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they, they were printed in pretty close to exactly the same number. Uh, well, since it was a new invention and it was coming into widespread use at that time, you can imagine that that would have been somebody that people recognized more readily from current events, shall we say? Oh, come on. More popular than James Fenimore Cooper? Yes, more popular than James Fenimore Cooper. Oh, more well. popular than Samuel Clemens? Well, no. Well, nobody's no. more popular than Samuel Clemens. But he Mark was already issued. He was already issued? Yes. Really? What, well, what, stamp had, what stamp had Mark Twain on it before this? You're saying 
that he was not in the Famous Americans. No, no, no. I'm saying before the Famous Americans, was he ever on a stamp? You, you was just... Alexander Graham Bell ever on a stamp before the Famous Americans? Uh, <laughs> you know, I... That's my point. The Tube Sock commemorative issue? Could have been. How about Ethelbert Neville? I think he was never on a stamp either. Nor were you. That's true. Jane Adams, she's on a ten cent stamp. Yep. Louis May Alcott, that's the one that I like though. Louisa May Alcott. Lu- you need to learn how to pronounce. I names. know. Hold on, I'm going to re-record that because I don't want to sound stupid. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Louisa May Alcott. Uh, yeah, she was. She had a non plume. Uh, she was Flora Fairchild. Or, I'm sorry, Flora Fairfield for her first writings. And uh, interesting because people who know about her, you know, she wrote some kind of interesting things. Turns out she was uh, suffering from mercury poisoning. When she was a nurse, uh, she got typhoid fever and she was treated with heavy doses of mercury. And uh, it weakened her immune system. Gave her vertigo and episodes of hallucinations. And if people know about her life, uh, she was sick all the time. And she wrote some pretty funky little things. So, yep, hence her very odd stories. So who were the other people on these stamps? Well, how about the poets? Poets. Uh, poets and don't know it's. You had to, didn't you? I did. Well, I heard Longfellow. Whittier, I have been to the city of Whittier. Lowell, I I know that there's a Lowell, Massachusetts. Walt Whitman, I know he lived by a lake. And uh, James Riley, did anybody read any of these? Does anybody know any of these guys? Well, I've read Longfellow. Yeah. Uh, let's see, I've read uh, Whitman. I don't know if I've read the other three. Eh. I'm not a big poet fan. So. Nah, me neither. I mean, it, it, it would have had to have been an assignment in school for me to have read it. <laughs> yep. Now, were all these issued, uh, all these have the similar um, runs as far as number of stamps issued? Pretty close. The 10 centers were less common, obviously, than the 1 centers. But... From one center of one issue to one center of another issue, you know, it's not like uh, they printed a whole bunch of Horace Mann stamps because he was really popular. Uh, They printed pretty much the same of everything. So if we're not going by popularity, um, we still can't figure out why the Bell stamp is more valuable or why other stamps are more scarce. Well, from a popularity standpoint, in my opinion... You have Bell and you have Mark Twain. And those are the two really biggies out of the set. Yeah. Correct me if anybody has. I, I would I would agree. All, although I think Alcott was probably, but Alcott's on a five cent, so. Yeah. Oh, um, Alcott is, I would, would give her a strong number three. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I don't recognize just about every name on the list from playing with stamps, but. Um, you know, even from school days, I recognize a lot of these guys. Except for the poets. I, I have <laughs> yeah, no clue the about poets. the poets. 
Well, let's hit our educator stamps. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a catch-all, isn't it? Because you have Booker T. Washington here as an educator, as opposed to a scientist, which is interesting. Well, but he was an educator first and a scientist by accident. Yeah, could be. Okay, so of the scientists, you have Horace Mann, Mark Hopkins. Educators. Oops. Horace Mann. Mark Hopkins, Charles W. Elliott, Francis E. Willard, and Booker T. Washington. So I'm not certain. I know that Mark Hopkins. No, that's John Hopkins. I don't know who so that's, Mark that's, Hopkins that's is. That's the one that got me because every time I see that stamp, I'm like, Hopkins. Oh, John Hopkins. And I'm like, oh, nope, not that one. Yeah. <laughs> Horace Mann rings a bell. Booker T. Washington, of course, he's famous. But the other four people are like... It, these were suggested by the public back in 1938. So they had to have been at least somewhat... Contemporary at that point, yeah. Well, not necessarily contemporary, but even just you know something that was taught in school. Yeah. So that growing up, you were exposed to these names. Yeah. Kind of lost to history. Oh, now we get into science. Next, we have. I was gonna say next, we have our scientists. Ah. And and you know. I recognize more of the scientists because I tend to have more of a scientific interest. Mm-hmm. What did Jane Adams do? That I don't know. Somebody Google that real quick. She was the matriarch of the Adams family. <laughs> <laughs> I hardly think so. Probably true, but probably not the Adams family you're thinking of. Oh, good point. Yeah, you had Audubon. Known as the mother of social work, was a pioneer, American settlement activist, reformer, social worker, public philosopher, sociologist, protester, author, and leader in women's suffrage and world peace. Oh, so she was a suffragette and a social person. Okay. Fair enough. But she's under scientists, so she she was honored for her scientific work. Her social science work. Yeah, her social science work. And, of course, Audubon. Now we have the composers. And we have I'm a, surprised you didn't say anything about Dr. Reed. Well, he didn't even list them all. Oh, yeah. Okay. You, you skipped over that part. Dr. So you, you have John James Audubon, who we know was a naturalist and a, did a lot of bird paintings and things like that. And the co-inventor of the German streets. That's what it sounded like you said as Audubon Uh, Dr. Crawford W. Long Luther Burbank Dr. Walter Reed And then Jane Addams What did uh, Crawford W. Long do? Please to hold and I will see Well we know We know about Dr. Walter Reed Of course Because every time you hear the president goes And gets his medical checkup He goes to Walter Reed Medical Center Exactly and Luther Burbank, because we're from California, we all know Burbank. Crawford Long. Crawford Williamson Long was an American surgeon and pharmacist best known for his first use of inhaled sulfuric ether as an anesthetic. Oh. So he got people high. I remember that story. That was on uh, the day the universe changed. Great, great series if anybody does a search for that. Okay. Well, now we're into composers. 
And uh, we have Stephen Foster, John Philip Sousa, Victor Herbert, Edward McDowell. I don't know who that is. And Ethelbert Neville. Don't know what he wrote either. That Nevin. would be Nevin. Nevin. Nevin, sorry. Because Ethelbert Nevin. Neville's in Harry Potter. Yeah. He's not a composer. Does anybody know those songs? No. <clears throat> this issue... Do I have to look up all five? No. No, because... Every, <laughs> you only have to look up four, because we all know who John Philip Sousa is. Yeah. Not a clue. Really? Nope. You don't know who John Philip Sousa? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. I had no idea. <laughs> Not a clue. Yeah, oh, big, oh. big band era, and he wrote a lot of marches and things like that. Yeah, he he was the... Uh, he had rank with the U.S. Army because of his music, musician skills. And he also has the rarest stamp in this issue. Well, yeah. Even but for, two for weird reason. Well, that's true. Why don't you enlighten everybody? Well, the uh, when the postal rates went from thirteen cents to fifteen cents in uh, nineteen seventy six, the first day cover companies and the commemorative cover companies, they all had thirteen cent stamps that they needed to add two cents to to get the fifteen cent rate. When they did this, they said, what stamp can we use? And they all kind of unanimously said that John Philip Sousa's stamp, the two-cent stamp, we're going to add all these 13-cent envelopes to get the 15-cent rate. And they bought tens of thousands of these and put them on first-day covers and commemorative covers and everything. And they just... Re, they just bought them all. They just took them all out of the market. Which and is surprising because the price doesn't reflect that. It's the cheapest stamp in the in the set of five. Yes, it is. However, in the, as far as catalog value, but as far as finding them, it's much more difficult. Yeah, looking at the uh, PSE has a population report of stamps that are graded. And just for information-wise, the Alexander Graham Bell stamp, there might be a couple hundred in grade 98, maybe 150, 175. A lot of these things are in the high, uh, the low hundreds to the high hundreds of how many exist. This was a very popular set when grading was new. Number 880, the John Philip Sousa stamp has one grade 100 stamp and 28 grade 98s. Much lower than others. 28 grade 98s compared to, what is the bell stamp? 893. 893. So the, the more rare bell stamp has 20 grade 100s and 134 grade 98s. So... You know, the John Philip Sousa stamp really is the scarce. It's the key value to this set almost at this point. 
Uh, if you're looking for well well centered stamps, yes, absolutely. I think even if you're not, I think it, well, it's harder to find. It, yeah, it's a much harder stamp to find. And I think part of that is because of the catalog value. The Bell stamp catalog is over ten dollars, and so dealers are willing to carry that in a stock, whereas the Sousa stamp only catalogs thirty five cents, and so in their mind, it's not worth carrying that as a stock if you're traveling to shows. Yeah, but still, one grade 100, that's I understand. really tough. I understand. And when grading first started, people were saying, oh, well, I'm going to get like a grade 100 set of famous Americans because how hard can that be? Exactly. How hard can that be? Well, there's 28. Apparently, that's pretty hard. Yeah, that's pretty hard. Yeah, the grade 100 stamps are not common, obviously. So who's next? Oh, I don't know. Well, did you want to, did you want to know who they actually were? Yes. Well, Stephen Foster, known as the father of American music. Uh, wrote over 200 songs, but his best known are things like Oh Susanna, Camp Town Races. Oh. He's the guy who wrote those. And it is, did you know that like Oh Susanna was the number one song for its year? I think 1880 something or something. I, I was looking on uh, Facebook about, or on uh, YouTube about the number one songs and they go back to like 1850s. And a lot of these songs are number ones and you go, wow, I never had any idea they had number ones back in the 1860s, which of course they did. It's, you know. How about Victor Herbert? Victor Herbert was an Irish-born, German-raised American composer, cellist, and conductor. And he was best known for many successful operettas that premiered on Broadway from the 1890s until World War I. Oh, okay. Edward McDowell was an American composer and pianist of the late Romantic period best known for his second piano concerto. And Ethelbert Nevin American pianist and composer as well. And it doesn't say a whole lot of what he was best known for here. I'm going to do, since I have some time to edit this, I'm going to get some clips and I'm going to put him in. You want something really interesting though? Oh, absolutely. Looking all these up on Wikipedia, Victor Herbert is the only one that doesn't show the American composer stamp of him. All other four have a picture (laughs) of the stamp on the Wikipedia page. (laughs) Which I thought, which I found kind of interesting. It's like, wow, somebody actually took the time and put pictures of their stamps up. Yeah. You'll, you'll have to edit it and add the stamp. Right? Yeah, there you go. Suggested edits. There's our new stamp show here today challenge. Anyone who has the ability, go into Wikipedia and 
anything you can find a subject for, I had a stamp for it. <laughs> so now we're on to artists. And we got Gilbert Stewart, who is famous for painting Washington. James Whistler, who is famous for painting his mother. Augustus St. Gaudens. We discussed him two podcasts ago, I think. He redesigned U.S. currency, the $20 gold piece and everything like that. That is all Augustus St. Gaudens. He, he was the best engraver you, people say, like, the best engraver ever. He, he was, like, the greatest uh, metal engraving person that ever existed. Uh, Daniel French, uh, the inventor of the mustard, and Fre Frederick Remington, the uh, Western sculptor. And rifleman. Yeah, who, who, okay, who is Daniel French? And if it says mustard, I'm going to laugh. He painted with mustard. <laughs> Yellow was his favorite color. Uh, let's see. One of the most prolific and acclaimed American sculptors of the late 19th and early 20th centuries. He is best known for his design of the monumental work, the statue of Abraham Lincoln in the Lincoln Memorial. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's fair to have him on a stamp as far as artists go. Yeah, yeah. I happen to uh, enjoy the Lincoln Memorial quite a bit. Jefferson Memorial is mine. But do you know why? Why? Because we have the same birthday. Uh, that's interesting. Now we get into the cool category. Inventors. Yeah. We have Eli Whitney, who uh, invented the replaceable part, is opposed or in addition to other things. Samuel Morris, Morse code, McCormick, a lot of uh, the Reaper, but a lot of farm implements, a lot of stuff for the uh, farming community. Uh, Eliza Howe. Try that again. Eliza Howe. Elias. Elias Howe. What did he do? Wasn't he going to the And Alexander Graham Bell. Okay. Elias Howe. We got to look him up. He had something to do with the Wankel rotary engine. <laughs> you laugh, but it's true. Oh, it is? <laughs> okay. <laughs> American inventor and sewing machine inventor. Oh. Well, you know, again, 1940s, people, a lot of people working with the sewing machines. I mean, now we buy all our clothes overseas and everything, but I can very well see how a sewing machine was a very important piece of equipment in the 1940s. Makes sense. Except he invented his sewing machine in 1846. Yeah. Well, I mean, how many people now have sewing machines in their house? That isn't like in the garage that their mother left there or their grandmother left there. You you have a sewing machine? Chris has one in the house. It's upstairs that, in our loft. Does she use it? She wants to. Oh, well, that's just as good as using it. <laughs> <laughs> she has used it, but not excessively. So uh, you can buy uh, the price on this famous American set ranges quite a bit. Uh, there is an East Coast dealer who was charging $62.50 for it. 
And all the way down, the cheapest I found was a guy on Amazon who was, it was $4.85, but they also charge you $4.52 postage. So it's uh, kind of close to about 10 bucks. So somewhere between $10 and $62. Well, it depends whether you want those 100s or not. Yeah, there you go. So I know the U.S. Post Office listens to this podcast. Um, what if we did a 2018 Famous Americans? Who would we add? How many stamps are we going to put in each category? Right. Are we going to create new categories? Well, and the other thing is anybody who we're probably adding will be have their birthday after everybody else's that's already been issued. Yes, more than likely. Right, so we... We could have like this be a 50 cent stamp and it'll be a one, two, five, ten, fifty. Nah, the post office needs revenue. They'll, they'll all have to be 50 and up. It'll <laughs> all be forever stamps. <laughs> yeah. For, they'll all be forever stamps. Yeah, there stamps, you go. Yeah. For, so who would we add? I, I'll take the first one. For authors, I would put Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Well, I mean, you're picking a specific genre. Well, I mean, no, are, I'm there, a there specific are, guy. You have to pick the guy. Yeah, I understand that, but um, there are are so many more books out there that y'all pick a person. Who do you want? Who do you want on the twenty five cent stamp? I don't know, Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy, that's fair. I mean, original techno thriller guy, right? Yeah. Or if you want to go with science fiction, how about Isaac Asimov? I mean, you could. There's a lot of science fiction fantasy authors that you could pick if you want to go that. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what genre you want to go political. I mean, there's plenty of political writers out there too. Well, but it's got. It's I got think a, something that's entertaining, you know, a, a techno thriller or something, something fiction. I don't. I don't think nonfiction would be as popular. Well, think of somebody. But it may you be. Know who mine is? Sure. Stephen King. There you go. That's a good choice. Yeah. I'll go with John Glenn, a real-life action hero. Well, I think we could put him in another category. That's if we're sticking with these categories. But Okay, how about poets? I have one. The 50 Cent Not Maya Angelou stamp. <laughs> <laughs> it shows every poet that ever lived except for her. Well, uh, not being big on poetry, I don't have a suggestion for poets. Yeah, I don't know it. Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, uh, he was British. That's true. But he's already had a U.S. stamp. Yes. Well, we have non-U.S., but this is American poets. Yes. I don't... Thomas Christensen. He, he did There Was a Young Lady from Nantucket. Very popular. Who? Christian or the lady from Nantucket? <laughs> How about educators? That's a tough one. Educators. Oh, absolutely. It's a tough one. I mean... Miss Kaplan from my third grade. <laughs> Gabe Kaplan. Gabe Kaplan. Yeah, there, there you, you go. go. Better. Gabe Kaplan from <laughs> Welcome Back, Cotter. Think of a famous educator nowadays. That's tough. Well, you could give John Hopkins his due. Since there was a Hopkins stamp that wasn't John. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Although I don't know, is he was he an educator or did he just have a school named after him? Mm. Or was he actually just a doctor? I have no idea. The questions oh, keep rolling. Google. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> uh, what about Carl Sagan? He, yeah, there is a good one. Carl Sagan. Well. Is he an educator, yeah, though? Yeah, I'm not. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, no, uh, we'd have to kill him first. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure he wouldn't be for that. Uh, Stephen J. Gould. Gould Mustard. No, the um, he he'd have to compete with French Oh no, Johns Hopkins School was named for its first benefactor, American entrepreneur, abolitionist, and philanthropist. No, oh. so he's not an educator. Doesn't say anything about education or science. Wow, he he was just a rich guy who uh, just a rich guy who got a building named after him. Yeah, interesting. In this case, well, he was an abolitionist, so okay, you know, give him that. But we don't have you know, we don't have an abolitionist stamp, so. Well, scientists, that'll be great. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I would like to have Elon Musk and Neil deGrasse Tyson definitely on stamps, but we'd, like you said, we'd have to wait for him to die. Right. We were discussing that at lunch about having living people on stamps. And well, I mistake. still don't think it's a good idea. It's never a good idea because, uh, like, they, they could very, if they had put out a stamp for Michael Jackson. Which they very easily could have. You know, you have Elvis, and then like a couple of years later, you put out a Michael Jackson stamp. And then today you have, you know, this very, very controversial guy who people have criticized as being a pedophile and everything on a U.S. stamp. Or Lance Armstrong after... Or Lance Armstrong, yeah. Congratulations. Or Bill, Co- or Bill Cosby. Or Bill, better Bill Cosby, yeah. So, yeah, you have to have the... Uh, the ability to look back after the person's dead and say, eh, you know, do we really want to do this? I mean, who knows? Uh, so the Barry Bond stamp is right out then? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pete Rose stamp. Yeah, the same thing for composers. All the composers that I like now, you know, like, you know, we could put Beyonce and Neil Diamond on a stand. What about Songri- Rod- songwriters, not composers? What about Rogers and, and Hammerstein? Hammerstein. Oh, there you go. Thinking. That's better. Roger and Hammerstein. Um, who who are? Oh God, what's his name? Hang on. The Gershwins. Gershwin. Well, yeah. But I was thinking that's probably you know they had all those big band people and stuff in 1940. Yeah. And they couldn't put them on stamps because they weren't dead yet. Now, probably not considered American, though I think he's a citizen, would be uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda Uh, for Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, there you go. (laughs) You know, if they do another Celebrating the Century stamp in uh, 87 years, 83 years, whatever my math is, uh, it would be really cool if they had... You know, Hamilton is one of the stamps from uh, two thousand, the first decade, or second decade, second decade. Because uh, he also did In the Heights before he did uh, Hamilton. Yeah. John Lennon, as a composer, because he's dead, and that would be a popular stamp. 
than inventors who can have absolutely Steve Jobs. Yeah. But yeah, but he didn't really invent anything. It was the guys that worked for him that invented the stuff. I mean, the same thing with Bill Gates. It's the guys signed their checks, though. Yeah, Thomas Edison was sort of the same boat. Why isn't Edison on a stamp? That's a good point. Why isn't Edison on a stamp? I mean, we have Elias Howe. Yeah, but we don't have Edison. That's interesting. I know they issued an Edison Famous American stamp after the fact. A three-center. Yes. It was in the style of the famous Americans. Right, right. And, I mean, if you want it, it wasn't that specific limited series, but they did stamps of that same, uh, of a very similar uh, design. Almost uh, almost identical, For the next next 10 years. Yeah. And uh, there's there's a lot of people that they honored. And, yes, Edison was one of them. It is interesting, though, that they didn't honor him in 1940 and instead put the guy who did the sewing machine. Well, because they just honored the Edison Light back in the 20s. Yeah, yeah well. What, it's 28, I think? Well, everybody says that there was an Edison Light on the um, one cent 1900, uh, Scott number 300. The uh, There's two little cherubs on the side. There's Benjamin Franklin in the center. It's a green stamp. Benjamin Franklin in the center. And then you have a cherub on each side. And supposedly the cherubs are holding above them light bulbs. All right. Reverend William Lee. Well, unless you can come up with... Who is he? If you can come up with any more co-inventors of the tube sock, then uh, (laughs) I think we're just about done. Well, that's why I say William Lee. He was actually English, not American, but he invented the knitting loom in 1589, <laughs> making socks much easier to mass produce. <laughs> okay, we are definitely past. The, <laughs> we are we are way past the petering out section an, of this an podcast. Actual section. co-inventor of the two. An actual co-inventor. <laughs> an actual co-inventor. <laughs> well, on that, shall we end this thing? You got it. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this silkom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Return to send up. Return to send up. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. 
Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close.